happy Valentine's Day here from K is for Kinky. It's actually not Valentine's Day. It is just the month of February. But we're going to be the first to say it to you. <laughs> maybe. Um, <laughs> maybe. And uh, this episode is completely devoted 100% to... Love. Love. Love languages. Don't oh. sing copyrighted music on the podcast. two seconds. It's not going to... I'm just telling you, they'll come get you. Hello, and welcome to the K is for Kinky podcast. This podcast discusses adult topics, so if you are offended by adult topics or are under the age of 18, please stop listening now. Also, while Miss Jen is a therapist, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not to be taken as personal therapy for you. She is not your therapist. And if she is your therapist, just remember that what she says only technically counts in your private sessions. Hi, Miss Jen. Yo. We are here... (laughs) With you on K is for Kinky right before Valentine's Day. And we thought the best possible thing to discuss and the cheesiest way for us to honor Valentine's Day would be to talk about love languages. But it's been done with before. A twist. Yeah, it's love languages with a twist because we're going to go ahead and apply them to kink and add a couple of our own. We did a video on our YouTube channel about love languages because when we're looking at like the standard mainstream I guess five love languages that everybody knows um ours are very different (laughs) so we did a video about that so I thought maybe for those who have not seen the video we could start really quickly just kind of going over the five love languages that most people have heard of and that there's a whole book on and stuff and then kind of dive into the hopefully book I'll eventually write. <laughs> yeah, Miss Jen's going to totally write a book about <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> Sorry. Miss Jen's going to write a book about kinky love languages and this was actually something that she was hesitant. She's like, "Do we want to do the podcast cuz people will know the outline of my book." I'm like, "This is going to be a good selling point for your book." Um, I haven't written it yet. No, but she's going to totally... I'm going to help her ghostwrite it. I'm going to ghostwrite it for her. All right. Don't so, say that. Now it's no longer ghostwritten. The ghostwriter is still acknowledged. It's just oh. that your name is on it. It's not going <laughs> to... I'm not going to be such a ghost that no one knows. I'm not writing it t- for you with no credit. I get some. I don't know how ghostwriting works. And you also acknowledge <laughs> me, obviously, because I'm your inspiration, your muse, your flame. To my muse and my flame, Eden. Love languages for the kinkster. Bye, Jen. <laughs> I think this was an outline I already had before I met you, but... and But you didn't yeah. know that I was going to spice it up and make it even better. Okay. So this is for me. Let's Don't start. Just... So the five love languages. So the five love languages as popularized by the five love, love languages, um, which is literally what I think the title is called, um, is words of affirmation, acts of service, oh. um, physical touch, giving gifts, and quality time. Um Oh, that's actually for, this is, oh, I pulled up a graphic that says love languages for kids. Did I do that right? Is that still accurate? Those are still the love languages. Okay, they just did it in a kid form. I feel weird. I, I don't know what you're looking at, but those are Apparently them. I found a love languages for kids graphic and read that out loud. Anyways, those are the five love languages. Um, and uh, let's go ahead and dive in here. So everybody knows that typically you really crave one or more of these things but I've talked to most people and most people want all of them but they have a stronger need for some over others usually Um, there's one or two that are a little stronger yeah and I think um what's really difficult for people is when you get into a relationship with somebody and you discover that your love languages don't match um and one thing that Miss Jen and I have discovered and that I think is probably true for most people is that we tend to give the thing that we want to get 
So like, I really want to get words of affirmation. So desperately, I feel like a dog scratching at the door to get out because I have to pee so bad. Like, I really want the words of affirmation. And I talk a lot. If you know me, you know that when I'm sleeping, I'm talking. There's very few times in my life when I'm not in some way verbally communicating. I'm also a writer. So it's just, I bleed words. Miss Jen is my... I'm the strong, silent type. She's the strong, silent. <laughs> she's my boulder. And Miss Jen, meanwhile, as I'm over here giving a lot of words of affirmation and desperately wanting them, Miss Jen is an acts of service person. She receives acts of service. Like her, the best way to show her you love her is is service. And she also shows her love in through service or through care, through caretaking. Um, so Miss Jen and I found out the hard way that the ways that we give and receive love are completely diametrically opposed to one another. Um, she shows it, which is pretty fucking powerful, by the way, if you've never been with somebody who shows you, they love you by doing things. It's, it's impressive. And um, I had never really valued that type of love um, as much as I feel like should have until I met her. And I still make an effort nowadays to point out when I noticed that she did something for me that made me feel loved because it lets her know your expression was efficient. I know you love me. Um, so like the other day I was having a really hard day and I really wanted a treat. And she's like, I'm going to make you a pepperoni pizza roll up. Pizza roll up. And she did. And it was low carb, low carb pizza roll up. Yeah. And I felt, extremely loved and cared for and i told you that you know and, and meanwhile though i i i also want to hear i love you and she's like well i made you the pizza roll up what more do you want the pizza roll up was love i come from that place of like talk is cheap and actions speak louder than words so <laughs> just, she also just come from. has a personal block with with the words of affirmation but the reason i bring this up though is because it's important to understand not only how you want to receive love, but it's important to understand what your partner wants and it's important to compromise and meet them part of the way um, or to find other types of love language that really speak to them. So Miss Jen has been working on giving more words of affirmation to me. And, and I've Eden's been, been working on trying to give more acts of service. Yeah, that's literally true. Like I have been learning how to do more acts of service. Um, so it's really interesting to talk about things like that. Um, we want to talk today about some of the things that kinksters experience that are unique to kink, or, uh, we want to kind of translate some of these into kink, um, stuff. So what's funny is because like, there'll be moments where Eden mm -hmm. is like, give me some love. And so I smack her. I <laughs> and, still want other forms I of know, love. And I but say what that. I'm saying is like, that's, that's me showing love and affection it's is, true. you know, giving you a, a smack i know we're doing well when she smacks my ass when we're walking when she's walking through the kitchen for words of affirmation and kink this one's really important in my opinion when it comes to specifically ds um d types i feel should be offering words of affirmation and praise and confirmation of a good job well done to their s types because this is the positive um reinforcement s types need to one know they're doing well but to feel comforted and to feel supported by the d type Many um, S types. Some S types are not. Yeah, but most most S types I've spoken to desperately want verbal affirmation from D types. Um, S types also can give verbal affirmation to D types by saying, you know, um, I really love how you did this, or I feel really supported by you, or you're a good D type. I think D types need to be told that they're doing a good job. D types work very hard, and I feel like it's the default for D types to be expected to give this. But um, it's not the default for S-types always to know that they should be offering this to D-types. D-types, it's hard to be a D-type. 
it's hard. It's a struggle. And um, D-types have to overcome their own challenges. So words of affirmation go both ways. Um, you know, but another thing with words, words of affirmation, I feel, to apply to DS, um, calling your D-type, for instance, by the honorific they prefer, using language identified and created by you and your partner, um, secret language, basically, that affirms or that um, in shorthand communicates something. That's a form of love language. So, like, when Miss Jen and I use a code to communicate something and she understands what I said and no one else knows but she knows, even if that code is I want to go home right now and she sees me. Not really a code. <laughs> it's not so much a word of affirmation as it is, like, but I'm saying, like, her ability to read me and our unique forms of communication, when those are used, it, it affirms the relationship. It affirms the love. This person cares about me enough and notices me enough to identify that I lifted my finger and I rotated it in the clockwise motion and that means that it's time to go or whatever. Like A code gesture. Yeah. yeah. Our code gestures. Those are less obvious than I want to go home now. Yes. Our code <laughs> gestures and our covert communication are a form of love language in my opinion. You know, it's sort of like when you're a kid and you have a secret password to get into the cubby house. Like, that is something special you share with your friends. And in DS, it's a, it's a fucking love language. What's the next one? Well, I also wanted to say from a <laughs> oh. communication standpoint, <laughs> I would put contracts underneath love language for verbal affirmation or verbal. Because building a contract and having metacommunication – one, it's fucking sexy. But two, it's something that in DS we focus on so incredibly much. Um, I feel like it's unique to the scene in a lot of ways. It should not be unique. I mean, vanilla, vanilla people, please steal this. Please take it. And I don't even give a shit. You give yeah. us credit, really. Just I please talk, a talk lot more. In, with my therapy clients about like unspoken contracts because so many people just sort of fall into habit or expectation that is never actually discussed transparently. So yeah, that's a it's a one that tends to be unique to power exchange or kink couples relationships um, or polyam. But a lot of polyam people have similar. That's why I said relationships. Yeah, but yes, please adopt this, mm. um, vanilla people. But yeah, so we're going to go ahead and qualify on top of praise for S-types and affirmation. And also communication from the S-type needs to improve. Um, these are types of affirmations and love language for kink that let you know that the person that you're interacting with cares about you, notices you, and is investing time and energy into communicating with you. And that's a love language for sure. Um, the next one is acts of service. So acts of fucking service yeah. fit so perfectly into DS and into kink in general it's weird that the vanilla people identified it, to be honest. Because, yes, like, in vanilla culture, acts of service are a big deal. Like, my my dad in particular is a very big acts of service person. He does so much kindness and does a lot of labor to make things good. And honestly, my mom does something similar. Acts of service is a really important part of being in any relationship with somebody. But when you apply it to a kink context, now you have regulated and enforced acts of service where the S-type is usually told what to do and expected to perform it. It's not just an offering. But we also have D-types who can give acts of service. For instance, the D-type side of you're going to do these things that I say, but I'm going to be responsible for your well-being. You're going to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to do this other half. Like It's a division of responsibility, a communicated expectation, a follow-through that is a very smooth and very beautiful way um, that DS 
functions, you know, like acts of service are important. I often think about the fact that my dominant does so many things to help me and for us. You're constantly doing acts of service. But one big thing for you as part of your love, like language receipt or whatever, like receiving love language, when I don't do acts of service or when I'm not thinking of you, when I'm not prioritizing you, you feel a lack of love. So like, um, Miss Jen specifically likes spontaneous acts of service. That's what really gets her gears going. It goes beyond the expectation, you know? Um, so I feel like that plays into DS a lot. This idea of I serve you, but taking it one step further with DS, I added into this acts of service and sacrifice because sometimes I've noticed that D types in particular really get off or really benefit from an S type doing something that they themselves really don't want to do, but they do it for the betterment of the D type. And that show of I sacrifice my comfort, my comfort, or I sacrifice my time, my energy to you because I put you above me. That level of acts of service or that level of sacrifice speaks volumes in DS dynamic. And it's something that I'm only just now honestly starting to explore more and more with my dominant, with you, Miss Jen, is putting myself second when it's healthy to do so. Identifying that it's okay to do so in many situations and putting myself second so that you can be lifted up as as supported. That's something that I feel is as a love language that yes, vanilla people can do that and they do, but in DS, I think it's an important and healthy part of DS and of kink relationship. Well, and I think, you know, for me being a D type, <clears throat> but acts of service being my love language, you know, receiving that is great. And you've kind of gone over that piece. I think as a D type acts of service in the relationship, because I also do see a lot of what I do in the community is acts of service. Um, but in the relationship, I think it comes across more almost as, and you mentioned this earlier, like the caregiving piece, um, which is a lot of how I see myself showing you that, that care, showing you that love language um, comes out, I think, more in the caretaker. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you know what I'm trying you to nurture, say? You <laughs> I, I think this is true of you, and I also honestly just want to kind of make a blanket statement that I think D-types, especially in 24-7, should really be providing this as a given. But nurturing the S-type and nurturing the dynamic, I feel, is a responsibility on the D-type, and it also is a form of love for that dynamic. It's basically saying, like, I am willing to get my hands dirty, and I'm willing to do work, so that you, the S-type, can grow and so that we, as a unit, can be stronger. Um, and I that's... like the saying of, like, the S-type is in service to the relation... Or, sorry, the S-type is in service to the dominant and the dominant is, re- is in service to the relationship. Um, I think it comes across in different ways. Like, there could be obvious ones, like the pizza roll-up. Like, you had a tough morning, you're coming home, you're starving. I see that on Discord. <laughs> and, so sweet. And it was like... You know, even though that would have been my relaxing with my cup of coffee time, it was I'll I'll put this food together that you'll have right away so that you're not really hungry. And it's still on the types of foods we're trying to eat, but is feels like comfort food. And so I'm keeping I'm not, you know, enabling like, quote unquote, off plan behaviors. Right. So like. All of that comes into play. Um, 
there's those types of things that are more sort of obvious. But then there's also moments of what was it the other day that I oh mean, I said like put down the computer like there was a yeah. time where it's like for coming in and regulating like I was overworking myself and I was being too hard on myself and she was like you're done gently you're but done. She, she was like <laughs> you need to stop I want you out here now like that type of regulation that's I mean we're talking about acts of service but in a way like that is that is providing structure but it's caretaking yeah but I would put that under the acts of service yeah because you're yeah Okay. I also wanted to say another example, an extreme example of sacrifice that you often will see in collaring ceremonies. Apparently, I haven't seen it yet, but um, it's trials. And I've always, when you first told me when I met you that S types are, are put through trials to get their collar, mm-hmm. I was honestly, I was like, that's fucking unfair. Why would I prove more devotion to you by putting myself through things that are unpleasant than you proving it to me as well like relationships you well you also take. didn't want to ever wear a collar at that time at that time yeah <laughs> and for me because like even within power exchange i still have in some capacities a little bit of an egalitarian mindset in the sense of like both people should want to be as committed to that relationship as possible both people should be willing to sacrifice and both people should value the other person as strongly as the other like that is what i mean by egalitarian in that sense of like this needs to be something where both people like, Miss Jens actually agrees with me that, like, you know, you put an S-type under consideration, but the S-type is also considering the D-type. I think it's a it's a mistake to think that S-types are the only ones who have to prove themselves in a relationship. But only at this stage in our dynamic am I starting to understand why it would be sacred and beautiful to potentially go through trials as an S-type for your D-type. And also how what a burden that is on the D-type to be willing to watch the rest of that go through trials and to be willing to receive that level of commitment, sacrifice, and service. That's actually also in its own way a burden and a trial. And to trust someone for that, you know. Well, and I think it's also like like you'll have somebody say, you know, well, the D-type holds all the power. And then somebody else comes in and they're like, no, the S-type holds all the power because we can safe word at any time both people hold power it just looks different in, in my opinion both people hold power it just looks different the d type does hold power in terms of the the path the guidance the decisions the whatever and yes the s type also holds power in that it's consensual and yeah. <laughs> there's there are safe words and you know what i'm saying so I think it's kind of similar in that you both hold things that may look different. Yeah. When I talk about this acts of acts of service and sacrifice on this level, um, the only reason I want to delve into it more is because I really struggled to understand the value of it until recently, and I kind of want to explore it, just in case there's any listeners who are like, I don't get this. I used to think that the reason that – it was weird to me that you were so into the concept of going through trials for callers because I was like, why do you want to see me – do things that I don't want to do? Why do you want me to be uncomfortable? Why would you want me to suffer to prove that I love you? Why would you want that? And I have started to understand that it's not a, I mean, yes, maybe there's a sadistic desire to see me suffer. I'm not going to lie and say that you would enjoy (laughs) we having to go through certain types of trials, but it's not that piece. It's, I want to know that you're really giving yourself to me. I want to know that you really submit because I want full, control and I take full responsibility I want to know that the relationship I've built with you is to the point where you trust me enough to know 
that the reason I'm asking you to do these trials is not to humiliate or debase yourself, but because you trust me enough to surrender. Yeah, that's what it really is. It's a proof of surrender. And by the time you're doing these trials, you're not hopefully in a dynamic where you haven't already surrendered in those ways. This is simply an external representation of a surrender that has already occurred. And it's not where we are at this time, but I really do feel like we are starting to move in that direction slowly. Um, it takes a lot of fucking trust, but I, I've only recently started to understand why that is so tear-wrenching. Because Miss Jen cries when she thinks about that kind of stuff. This isn't like Miss Jen cackling evilly in her corner like, mur, mur, mur. this is Miss Jen being like, what a beautiful expression of love. And it, it's because it's an ultimate act of service. It's an ultimate act of sacrifice. Um, so I just wanted to say, like, that's a really beautiful thing in DS specifically and in kink specifically that does not really exist in the vanilla world where the S-type goes through trials during that final ceremony um, before they stand there in front of the D-type and commit themselves, you know? It's really yeah. beautiful. I feel like there's some overlap here with just power exchange, but we'll get to that, I'm sure. Yeah. So now we're going to move on to physical touch. Wow. <laughs> who boy. Is this such an easy thing to translate <laughs> to kink? Obviously, the kink version of physical touch for many people it can be gentle, it can be sensual, but a lot of us go immediately to masochism and sadism and impact play. Because for many kinksters, impact play is a staple. And it is absolutely a form of friendship, of play, of love. Well, I don't want to just say impact play. I want to probably Any say, form of sa- sadism play. and masochism because yeah, they well, can take different forms. We'll talk about sadism and masochism specifically within it. But for physical touch, there's lots of things that kinksters do, many of which revolve around some form of physical contact that are all expressions of, I like you. I enjoy being around you. I want to play around you. Sometimes they're full expressions of love. So for instance, like cuddling is a very like easy accessible example or like, you know, hair tussling is like, we're friends. I like to tussle your hair. It makes me feel good to give. And it makes me feel good to receive that. Then we go into the sadism and masochism. Ms. John, take us away. Were you, t- um, were you zoned out? Uh-oh. No, I was listening. My soothing voice. I just didn't realize you were going to put me up to bat. Um, well, you were so excited to talk about sadism and masochism with physical touch. I don't. Well, we mentioned earlier how, like, when you're like, give me some love, and I go, schmack. That is always what you do. You're off the mic. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think when people are in this who enjoy the S&M part of it, because not every kinkster is, there are people who are really just looking at the power exchange and are not looking for the play aspect. Uh, and that is okay. But for those, which I would say probably the majority who do have an interest in the S&M piece, that can absolutely be an expression of, love and affection and intimacy. Two of the things that I always say are the reason I like to play is connection and energy exchange. And it is, it's very, even if you're just playing with a friend, at least for me, I'll speak for myself, there's an intimacy there. Doesn't mean it's sexual, right? We'll talk about that later. I'm so proud of you for finally separating intimacy from sex. A plus. Well, wait for it. Because most people, when they hear intimacy, that's why I said I'm not talking about sex because most people do conflate sex and intimacy. So there is a, I would say, a depending on who you're playing with, which we're talking about love languages, so I guess we should just stick to that. But there is an intimacy there that can be an emotional intimacy if it's you're playing with a friend. It can be friendship, you know, intimate friendship piece. But, you know, again, we're talking about 
love languages that are typically assigned to romantic quote unquote type love. Um, so I'll, I'll try to stick to that as our example, but with play, I mean, whether you include sex or not, it can increase that connection, which also I want to point out vulnerability, right? Like, especially, you know, on the S side, um, being physically vulnerable, you're also being mentally and psychologically vulnerable. You're putting all those things into the hands of the person that is topping you, your dominant, etc. Um, so, you know, I think that, yeah, physical touch is going to look a little different for those into the play aspect. And that's not something, of course, that we see in the more mainstream vanilla worlds because it's more things that we still have in this world, but like cuddling and holding hands and well, I guess that would include sex. Probably. Yeah, I also, I <laughs> There's also not, to, they don't have a different category for sex. I guess that would be the physical touch. Yeah. I also wanted to bring up um, just for the sake of it, as far as like impact play goes and sadism and masochism, remember that as physical touch, masochism and masochists in general they feel good. It feels good when somebody hits you. Like there's pleasure with impact. Um, and for sadists, it feels good to do it and to be able to um, give that. So that's not just, it's not only just like, yeah, it happens to be how I show love. It's also, this feels really fucking good. It's making each other feel good. It's getting serotonin, you know, in the same way that some people feel good from a massage. Some people feel good after a flogging or, you know, a really heavy impact scene. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in there that like a lot of vanilla people don't even consider that pain could feel good. Um, but for kinksters, that's a pretty common concept that pain feels good. And people who give the pain are giving a gift and people who are willing to receive pain are also themselves giving a gift. And it's an act of increasing trust as well. Right. Which is a part of that intimacy building. Yeah. So now we've co- we covered physical touch. Um, and now I want to go ahead and get into giving gifts. So giving gifts is probably my last on my list it's your last on your list yeah but i kind of this is kind of weird because like you like stuff well no i mean (laughs) i'm a hoarder for sure no not really not really i'm not really but um the reason i bring it up and try to i almost struggle to put into a kink context because you know yes kinksters exchange gifts but i think there's a specific type of gift exchange within kink that i want to elevate to a specific bdsm level as opposed to vanilla there are types of things in kink that you can give that technically are gift giving, but they have so much meaning that it goes beyond a typical gift. And I'm specifically talking about leathers, collars, and for some people, toys. Um, so for I want to use an example of for High Protocol, before we had our first um, official event, Mr. Cyan asked your permission first, but presented me as a gift with a really beautiful pair of red leather cuffs and for my wrists and it was it's one of the most valuable gifts i probably have ever received from somebody because of the meaning to have a dominant that i respect who's not my dominant but who is is my basically my mentor um who has helped me and my dominant grow our relationship and who has helped us build this high protocol project to have her give me cuffs was mind-blowingly special in the same way, not the same level, like the, the most important thing I've received from somebody has been my collar for my dominant. 
And that's not just a gift or anything. It's as important as like an engagement ring is for some people. You know, it was a really big, it's symbolically big. In kink, we make opportunities for that, you know. So in the leather community, giving someone leather, a piece of leather or like adding to their leather like wardrobe is not simply just giving them something to wear. It's indicating you've progressed to this level. It's a huge fucking deal. Um, And I I would imagine that if Miss Jen received, for instance – a particular toy from somebody who taught her how to use it and it was her first toy, that would mean something to her. Like, kinksters have ways of giving gifts that symbolically go beyond the object. Um, so do vanilla people, but I'm simply saying that in kink, I would assist, specifically associate... The gifts might look different. The gifts might look different, <laughs> and the meaning might be culturally significant. Where, like, you know, collars and cuffs and things like that, they're culturally significant. Leather is culturally significant. Um, and it's different than in vanilla culture. Okay, we can't let this one go by without mentioning the very popular phrase, my submission is a gift. That's true. And my dominance (laughs) is a gift, straight up. Well, that's what I always like to say is that, yes, but it's a gift exchange. Yeah. Right? The giving of gifts and the exchange of things like that is a really big deal. Um, Power exchange in general, I suppose you could metaphorically say, is one giant gift exchange. Um, But yeah, I think uh, that's kind of how gift giving comes into play. And then finally... Finally, we have quality time. For Kingsters, quality time, first of all, I feel actually looks like vanilla overlap. I firmly believe that community, kink communities benefit from ex- engaging in vanilla activities together. But I also think, obviously, kink communities benefit from having kinky spaces to share with each other and kinky opportunities and experiences to overlap with. That's why munches are so important. That's why parties and going and doing things like that are so important. That's quality time. Having time to be yourself in that environment is important. And being able to make opportunities to play with people that matter to you or to interact with your, your kinky social people, like that is quality time. And for Ms. Jen and I, uh, looking at our dynamic, we have to make time for kink and, and sex and all of those things in our dynamic and in our relationship or they won't happen because our life is so busy. So for us, quality time is a balance of vanilla activity and sacred kink activity. Well, yeah, I mean, we schedule what we call companionate time, which is not about necessarily kink or sex or anything like that. It's literally let's schedule time that we are sitting down and relaxing and looking like any other vanilla couple would. Um, But I think the difference is... You know, hopefully mainstream couples are doing this, but I think one difference is, is that we are having those, the meta communication around it to say, hey, let's make sure that we get this in here. You know, we also having opportunities to be ourselves in public kink environments is quality time for us. We so rarely get to be in dynamic around other people that when we do, it feeds our relationship. So we consider that to be a form of quality time and sacred time too. So I think that when you apply this to kink, what's really important is looking at, you know, how do you protect your kink self? How do you protect your kink time? Do you make time for that in your life? How important is that to you? And what do you do? And who do you do it with to give yourself that feeling of fulfillment and quality time? We would really appreciate it if you would do us the honor of sending us a candy gram on our Instagram. Um, You can do this candy gram by commenting on any of our posts and referencing one of your favorite heart sayings. So, you know, for instance, like, you stink or love you. I have never gotten a you stink candy heart, but I really am sad about that. And so you can make this right for me by going onto our Instagram, leaving a comment below 
Um, and following us on our social media platforms, you can help us out simply by following and liking our posts. Without further ado, on with the show. So we've now gone through the five known love languages, but we wanted to kind of throw a couple um, oddballs into the mix here. Um, Things that are so unique to kink that they just don't even really fucking overlap at all with these. Um, And Michelle has them over here, but I want to name the first and most obvious one that is very big in kink, whether you are doing it for DS or you're doing it temporarily in a scene. And that, of course, is consensual power exchange exchange is a huge love language for a lot of kinksters. Yeah. I mean, this came up in us as we talked about future polyam stuff at one point. And this was, you know, before this was in the beginning of this, but you'd mentioned not not necessarily being comfortable thinking about me being in if I once we started like dating and stuff, having power exchange be involved in those relationships and I kind of talked about, well, that will be difficult because I'll just not date. <laughs> like, it's just such an integral part of, not that I couldn't date vanilla person, like, especially. Although with your track record, you just turned them kinky, well, so, you know. <laughs> but it would it's very difficult for me to imagine being in a relationship where there's at least not something that is power exchange related. Um, it could happen. It's fine. But my preference, I should say, um, is to have some kind of power exchange in that just because it feels like this is just a part of who I am. And so for me to be who I am in a relationship will include some level of this. Well, yeah, you know, I, I took that thought about that and realized, you know, my fear of her being in power exchange with others is more so based around insecurity about our power exchange and where we are and nothing to do really with her ability to do power exchange with others successfully. And it would be wrong for me to inhibit the growth there for other people. Um, we do have certain things that are sacred. So like she's never going to place a collar on somebody's neck the way that she's put on me because that's a sacred part of our dynamic that I, I really want to draw a line around. But I'm certainly not going to inhibit her from putting cuffs on somebody or from claiming a power dynamic with somebody else and honoring that and letting that grow. Like that, that will for sure be something that I am going to make sure can happen if that's organic. Um, the power exchange aspect, um, for Miss Jen, power exchange is not only a love language, but it's, as she said, like a critical component of how she connects with people. Um, I feel like I don't need power exchange to have romantic connection. Um, but I do need power exchange in this relationship and it is fun to play with, temporary power exchange um it's fun to know pecking order wise where you stand with people and having that kind of tug and pull like back and forth is super fun that is exactly what power exchange is it's playing with power as a form of you know seduction or love or connection and it's sexy as hell um you know and i know for power exchange it's also a functional thing power exchange can make it very clear how power and how interactions are supposed to flow. And it makes it easier to understand who's leading and who's following. It avoids power struggle. Yeah. So that's also another great part about power exchange as a love language. You mentioned sexy times. So let's just jump into that piece, which for some people is not going to be as important, just like any and all of these that we're talking about. Some of these might be more important than others. Um, The like sexual play and interaction, you know, that obviously if somebody's, you know, ace or whatever, it's probably not going to be as important. It's not going to be their love language. Um, it's not going to be. Right. The, yeah. But if it is, you know, there are a lot of people who 
intertwine their kink and sexuality uh, and intertwine their kink and sex um, because I see sex the acts of sex as separate necessarily from sexuality and interaction but you know we've talked about before that I almost feel like I'm, and I don't know if this is a word, but Sadie sexual, we talked about we, it. We being made it. We coined it. Sadistically sexual. I don't know. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, your sadism like my, is what gets you off. Yeah. Like I'm usually not going to feel any sort of, uh, arousal. That's not the word I'm looking for. Um, excitement, orgasm, oh my God. orgasm, no. spark, <sighs> chemistry, <sighs> come oh, gushing, blah. She's not going to feel any heat of the moment. Spontaneous arousal. Oh, wow. Okay. So what I was saying was (laughs) I usually am not going to experience spontaneous arousal unless I'm doing something sadistic. LOL. So. Hashtag Sadie sexual. For me, that sexuality is greatly tied to the S&M aspect of kink. Yeah. So and that's not necessarily something you're going to see if. Vanilla people are talking about their love language. <laughs> no, exactly. And also for me, <clears throat> I will be honest, like our power exchange and like when I am submitting to you or like <clears throat> being hit or being made vulnerable and consensually being humiliated, especially sexually by you, like sexual humiliation is a huge fucking turn on and a huge love language for me to be able to exchange, exchange that with you and to be able to be made to feel small and helpless with you is part of our love language. So sex playing into kink in this way really is, again, like very unique to BDSM, I feel. Um, And it's a really critical and important thing to discuss with your partners. And it's a critical part of love language. You really want to hope that your partners um, all understand how this plays into you and them, because um, it's a make or break. It's a make or break, you know, Um, straight up my vanilla, my vanilla marriage. Lots of reasons why it failed, but a big one was that I really needed, I really needed a sadist as my primary partner or as my, I don't like to use the word primary, so fuck me on that. Um, <laughs> but as my anchor partner, as my, as my, as a partner who I overlap with heavily, I need that sadism piece there. And I really need that tug and pull and I need to be able to experience my submission, masochism and things like that to be satisfied. And if those things are missing, if power exchange isn't present, I want nothing to do with sex. Well, and keep in mind that a lot of these are going to be interwoven, right? We're not saying like each of these things that we're bringing up are completely 100% separate from each other. Yeah. I just want to point that out because we're talking about S&M that obviously intersects with power exchange and it also intersects with the next thing I'm going to bring up, which is fantasy fulfillment and exploration. Um you know, this is something that I think a majority lands in the lap of kinksters. With role um, play. Although vanilla people get what role play is. Well, vanilla yes, people they understand do what play. it is. Yeah. And sometimes that's their vanilla with a twist piece that they dip their toe in. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm the FedEx man. So are I'm they really vanilla? To, I don't know. I is brought, that kinky? That's I, kinky. I so. brought this nice big package for you. <laughs> You're one of us vanilla people who like role play. <laughs> but yeah, so being able to fulfill certain fantasies, you know, there's a lot of people I know mainstream who, and kinksters too, obviously. Anybody can fall into any of this, but like I see a lot of it where it's like, oh, I don't want to discuss that fantasy. That's horrible. I should not be fantasizing about that thing. Right. And so it doesn't happen. It doesn't get discussed. It doesn't get explored. And I think that the BDSM world talks about these things a lot more and makes it okay 
to talk about these things and to explore these things in a consensual way. Well, and talk about trusting somebody. Talk about from a love language standpoint, being able to share even your silliest or most like shameful fantasies and to have somebody still be standing there going, yeah, I'm here for you. And Not only do I accept you, but yes, let's yes. do it. <laughs> or let's say that your partner doesn't want to do it, but they encourage you to find someone to do it with you. Those are both types of support for this love yeah. language that are really, really big. Um, and it's just fun to be creative and to play, to build worlds. I mean, all I mean, honestly, when you're living with somebody and you make a house with them and a life with them, aren't you creating something new? Aren't you building a little world for yourself? Isn't that not really a form of fantasy fulfillment, but isn't that a form of creative building? Like, why not take that farther and go, I want to be a fucking wizard. Can you make me feel like a wizard? Hell yes. Let me go get my smoke machine and we're ready to go. Like, that is love and support. <laughs> I have my cone hat and you are a dragon. Well, and as far as like kink goes, <laughs> allowing somebody to be a dominant and allowing somebody to be submissive in the confines of a scene or farther in the relationship, it is wish fulfillment. It is role fulfillment. It, you know, a d- dominant comes in and says, I want to be the biggest, strongest, most competent person in this room. And the submissive goes, I see you as that. I validate that in you. I want to feel small, protected, and helpless. And the dominant goes, I see that in you. I validate that in you. That is wish fulfillment. That is fantasy fulfillment. But it's not a fantasy anymore when you fulfill it. Now it's real. That's beauty. Making your fantasies into reality is a beautiful thing to give somebody. I want to touch on the last. And also it can be ridiculous. Oh, yeah. And that's fun too. That's also great. Um, I want to touch on the last one for me, which is polyamory. Oh. It came up earlier on accident. And the reason I want to bring this up is because there is something that I've been experiencing that I noticed in the beginning of our relationship when we were first polyamorous, even though we had a really rough start, I experienced something called compersion even from the beginning with one of your other partners. I love other people wanting to be with my partner. I love sharing my partner. It's not so much a sexual turn on as it is an emotional thing for me. It makes me feel good that people see the value of my partner and find her attractive. Why wouldn't they? I feel good that you and someone else are happy together. I get high compersion. I can't experience compersion like that without polyamory. Honestly, like I couldn't be able to have that joy. Um, the thought from a polyamorous standpoint of having more people I love in my life who I can trust who are on my team, not less, is beautiful. The thought that maybe I can't give you something you want, but I could trust somebody else to love you and give that to you and you'd be even more fulfilled, that is so amazing to me. And to me, that that is part of the polyamory love language. It's why so many people love polyamory. I think some of us that were hardwired, I think some of us are hardwired to be polyamorous, but I think that it's also a choice. And I think there are these great benefits that come with it. And I think it's a form of love language and it's a form of community too, polyamory. So I love that about polyamory. Um, I had said that was the final one, but Ms. Jen pointed out there is one last thing on the love language list that we forgot to cover. Do you want to touch on this last one, Ms. Jen, before we say goodbye for the, for, for the episode? The voyeur external. Fuck yeah voyeuristic and exhibitionist behavior you might think to yourself that's not a whole love language you fucking crazy it is because have you ever noticed that a lot of the times when we do kink it's in public spaces i mean yes technically most of us don't have dungeons in our homes so we have no choice but there's something super amazing about doing kink with other people in front of other people Many, many kinksters feel this way. I'm not saying all kinksters do, but it's a type of love language. The love language of communal sharing of kink. 
Yeah, the love language <laughs> of community, period. The love language of of watching pornography or getting to see a scene and enjoying that from a distance and having that cherished memory. Like, there's something about that that is love language-y. But obviously, it's unique to kink for the most part. Like, I don't think we're going to be hearing the vanilla love language people be like, and of course... I like to watch people make out on park benches. That's my love language. But for kinksters, it's really normal and even friendly to watch somebody you admire like do a scene and to be like, what a great scene that was. Have you ever walked up to somebody and been like, wow, that was beautiful energy? That's a love language, man. Like, that's beautiful. Kinksters and kink are amazing because we get to have even more than five love languages, honestly. And we understand that, like, a lot of these will overlap. A lot of these will weave in and out of each other, as well as weaving in and out of the traditional love languages. We get that. And we also understand that, like, some people may, you know, categorize these things differently than we have today. This is still a concept that we are working with and and pulling apart um, and examining, but Overall, I just think it's good to remember that the the traditional five love languages were meant for the mainstream world. And for those of us not in that mainstream world, I think we deserve some extra. <laughs> Finally, here are some love languages that nobody really talks about, but that are obviously real um, and uh, that Miss Jen fully identifies with. Um, this is from a meme that uh, one of our wonderful Discordians shared. These three love languages need to be added as well to the roster. Acts of bagel, quality memes, <laughs> and words of spelled correctly. Um, these are some more love Those languages. Those are all my love languages as well. Yes, I'll just hoard all the languages. Quite, quite frankly, Miss Jen, if you really want to show love to Miss Jen, send her some fucking memes and she will be overjoyed. <laughs> um, for this Valentine's Day, I hope that uh. you have a freaking awesome one. Whether you are single or not, Valentine's Day is not just for couples, but it is just for couples to be exploited by, you know, capitalism. So just be grateful if you're not (laughs) with someone that you're not being pressured by capitalists to buy all of the stupid junk that they sell. And maybe Um, it's just a day to spend loving yourself. I don't mean it. Well, whatever you want to do. Yeah. get. Um, get But also with just surrounding yourself with people who you love and who love you which does not have to be romantic love yeah this valentine's day Um, let's fight the like let's let's be relationship well like there's the whole like galentine's day right which is like you know something that came about with single women specifically who are like it's galentine's day i'm gonna spend the day i'm we're single and we're gonna hang out with each other and go to the bar and i don't know whatever romantic relationships are great (laughs) but this valentine's day Let's honor all of the relationships in our life that are not romantic, that are valuable, that help make us who we are. And let's honor the fact that in the world of kink, we get to express all of our love languages with lovers and friends. Like, that's the cool thing about kink is that we aren't going to be confined when it comes to play and expressing these types of things just to romance. We can share them with everyone. Well, and you heard us, like me especially, like dipping into these love languages being used with friends. And I tried to kind of stick to the whole like romantic love because that's how the original love languages was meant. Um, But there's so many things that we do 
in the kink community that are just as valid with somebody who you're not romantic with or sexual with. From us here at Case for Kinky to you on the couch or in the car or wherever you are listening to this, happy Valentine's Day. We are a week in advance, but... But Eden was wrong. They would actually release the episode two weeks before Valentine's Day on February 1st. Hindsight is always 2020. I'm going to be the first to say it to you. Happy Valentine's Day. Eh. And Happy we Lady. will see you next time. Or you'll hear us next time. Son of a bitch. You will hear us next time on K is for Kinky. We want to give a special shout out to the people on our team who make this podcast possible. I'm talking, of course, about Tussled, who does our notes and helps with research. And of course, Lena, who's been a advocate for us and a huge fan from the very beginning. Lena helps to manage our Discord and is just an all-around awesome person. So thank you so much to our team, Tussled and Lena. We couldn't do it without you. 